What is good, everybody? Happy holidays. Welcome to episode 20 of the Gold Standard Podcast. I am your host, Rob Stats Guerrero, and my co-host, as always, the one, the only, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? I'm just glad it's as always. I haven't been replaced yet. Yet being the key word in that sentence. We are just days away from the Christmas holiday. What is the most overrated thing about Christmas? Oh, you're asking the wrong person here. I want your perspective. Christmas itself. <laughs> you're talking to somebody that walks around during holiday season saying bah humbug and pissing off my wife because I don't care for Christmas. I didn't. So I didn't grow up Christian. I didn't grow up with it. And there's a certain amount of resentment that comes with not growing up with it, yet going to school and having everybody going, what'd you get? What'd you get? And when you say, mm-hmm. I don't get anything, they go, what the hell's wrong with you? So you tend to hate it because not only is it that, but then it's a holiday you don't celebrate yet everything shuts down for it. So you're just like stuck at home going, you know, Yahoo. <laughs> That's why I wanted your perspective. Do you go Chinese food on Christmas? No, like, well, typically we will at least have like good food. Like my wife's bought a bunch of food. I think we're doing a prime rib this year. Ooh. But, <laughs> uh, and then I'll have a uh, ribeye at work. Because I'm working Christmas Eve. So. Oh, you're going prime rib, <laughs> ribeye, back to back? Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, we typically eat. And I mean, the main thing it means to me is sports are on TV. I, I think the prime rib, ribeye, back to back combination is maybe the best food advice you've ever given on this pod. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it will be wonderful when I'm eating it. And then I'm sure I'll probably go into a meat coma because... Uh, if it, it work has not bought it yet, but they asked our advice. It's what they bought us on Thanksgiving, and they were literally like twenty ounce ribeyes each. <laughs> like each person got this massive ribeye. <laughs> that is outstanding, and you know what? Regret nothing, Levin. That's what I will say. Uh, we have a jam packed show for you today. We're going to get into a little bit of the Josh Rosen signing. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said something about George Kittle that made me lose my mind that I need to rant about. So Levin's going to have to deal with that. He's got a hot take on Raheem Mostert that I think a lot of you are not going to like. And then we're going to get into a dumb thing Tyreek Hill said and a couple of polls that Levin posted that sort of contradict each other. We'll we'll dive more deeply into that. We remind you, by the way, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We love all your reviews. We do read them like this one from at numero uno 49ers fan Josh Dowling, who says two things, stats. One, I love Levin Black. I want more Levin Black. And two, Wade Phillips is overrated. He had a lot of talent on the Rams D and was fired. I want D'Amico Ryans as DC or Raheem Morris. Single tear rolling down my face right now, if you can see it. Like, you know, I'm just I'm just proud to be here. Is that your burner account? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I would be ballsy enough to say numero uno. <laughs> Well, but anyway, we thank you for the reviews. Please keep them coming, even when they're crappy like that one that supports Levin. All right. The news of the day yesterday, Levin, was that the Niners are so desperate for quarterbacks because Nick Mullins is out for the rest of the season and maybe his career, possible Tommy John surgery. Josh Johnson is on the reserve COVID-19 list. so He's not an option. And the Niners can't bring in a free agent because there's not enough time for him to pass enough COVID tests to be able to play on Saturday. So they had to sign somebody off an NFL team's practice squad And they went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad because we love quarterbacks that played with Tom Brady. So Josh Rosen is now the newest 49ers quarterback. Your thoughts? 
Uh, it's about as excited as I could have been for anybody they signed. I'm actually kind of surprised he wasn't on an active roster. I thought I just assumed he was a backup somewhere, like third string, and that's why I hadn't heard. But I, I think this guy probably got the rawest deal of any top pick quarterback in the history of the NFL. Like, you know, he, he definitely surpasses Alex Smith, and we all are well versed in the hurdles Alex Smith had to deal with, with six offensive coordinators in his first six years. This guy, I mean, he basically got drafted. Coach didn't want to play him, kind of try, openly sabotaged his career. And then they traded him to a place that he wasn't the guy they wanted for the future, so they didn't really care to spend the time on him. This was a guy that was potentially going to be the number one overall pick deep into the draft just a couple what years ago. I think he has a lot of talent. I think his issues are well documented that they're kind of mental. He's got some uh, attitude adjustments he hopefully has made, but if he has, the talent is really off the charts. I mean, it's top end talent. He was the 10th overall draft pick in 2018. And I agree, you know, he's been a little immature at times, but keep in mind, he's still 23 years old. Like, Everybody wants the 49ers to draft Zach Wilson. He's 21. So Rosen is only two years older. Not saying that Rosen is the guy or could be the guy or anything like that. My point on Josh Rosen is nobody really knows what he is. And if he could get into an environment where he's around for multiple years in the same system with a good coach, I think he could definitely be a serviceable backup. Like I saw somebody pointed out on Twitter, and I think it's the perfect way to put it. Josh Rosen has gotten six months to study under Tom Brady, and now he's going to Shanahan. Like, if he can't succeed in this scenario, he's not going to succeed at any time. Like, this is, I think, his last true shot. Not that he's going to really get a shot. I mean, they're at this point not planning on playing him. I hope they do because, I mean, who, who cares if he doesn't play? Or who cares if he does play? If he's at a disadvantage because he doesn't know the playbook, it doesn't matter. He's here for two weeks. If he looks <laughs> like crap, so what? It just helps secure that draft spot. And if he goes in and he shows off the physical tools that he had coming into the draft, you might go, hey, this guy we want to keep around. You're not going to know that, I think, from practice. Put him in a game. Yeah, I agree. There's This is like a freebie for the Niners. You literally have nothing to lose. Throw him in there. For once, it's, you don't even really care if he gets hurt. Like. It's sort of a, a, an unbelievable situation for the Niners. And by the way, the best football Jimmy Garoppolo ever played for the 49ers was the five games he got in at the end of the season when they traded for him. And he didn't know the playbook then either. And he actually, that's the best he's ever looked. So throw Rosen in there. What the hell? I, I can't watch the C.J. Beathard movie one more time. Like, what is the point? We know what he is. He was so bad. He couldn't beat out Nick Mullins, for God's sakes. That's how bad he was. Kyle even admitted that the only reason he took Mullins out was because he got hurt. And, and he kept turning the ball over, and Kyle was still sticking with him. So he has zero confidence in Beathard. I mean, this week might be tough on Rosen because I don't even know if he's actually in San Francisco or Arizona, I should say, at this point. But next week, throw him out there. What the hell? I wish he could play this week because it would be the revenge game for him. Right. I mean, it's the team that drafted him. It's the coach who basically sabotaged his career. But it's too early this week. I do hope they play him the final week just to see, like, we understand, like, if there's things where, like, he didn't quite know the play or he didn't adjust the line correctly pre-snap 
or audible into the correct play. Like those things, you know, would come with time, but you can still see the physical tools and just kind of see what he has in the tank. And by the way, this is the franchise that played at Chris freaking Winky for the final two weeks, like 15 years ago when he was already washed up. Like you can play a guy for the final two weeks in a lost season. It doesn't matter. Plus, wouldn't it be one less thing? Wouldn't you feel slightly better about keeping Josh Rosen or about your quarterback room, I should say, if he's had a little time with the team this year and you want to bring him into next year? Like, at least the room is not going to be totally fresh if you decide you got to get rid of all three quarterbacks. I don't know. I just think that it's there's something to be gained. There's a little value there, and you might as well try and squeeze something out of these last two weeks because what else is there to squeeze, quite frankly? I, I actually hadn't thought of this, but since he's here, I would think they can actually work on a on a uh, re-up, basically, before free agency actually starts. Since he's here and he's one of the Niners, wouldn't they be able to work on his contract if they want to bring him back before anybody else can get involved? I would think so. Plus, you could get him a playbook. He could theoretically study the playbook for the entire offseason so that when he came in next year, if they decided to keep him, He's not starting from scratch. You know, he's got a basis. He's got a whole off season to sort of study up. And if he comes in and training camp or whatever, and he doesn't know what he's doing, then you get rid of him. But like, I don't know. I just think there's something to be gained. And when you get to the last two games of the season and you're out of the playoffs and you're as banged up as they are, I mean, they can't even field a, a, a full roster at this point. It's just insane. Why not do this? There's no reason not to do it. Right. You got nothing to lose. And guess what? If you lose, that just helps your future, which is all this season matters anymore. Like you're not you're not playing the role of spoiler. I mean, yeah, if you beat Arizona, you hurt their playoff chances. Who cares? They're not winning the Super Bowl anyways. Like Arizona has no chance of the Super Bowl. You beat Seattle, who cares? The Rams just lost to the Jets. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Seattle's probably getting the division title. That loss to the Jets is actually very good for the Niners, which is something we're gonna get into later in the pod when we talk about poll questions and draft position but I I hope they do it we'll see Kyle clearly doesn't like CJ and and quite honestly Kyle Shanahan looks like he is at the end of his rope for this year I don't know if you got a chance to watch the press conference on Tuesday he just looks like he he's just he doesn't know what like he literally looks like he is out of ideas to try and get this team to protect the football. He has spent his entire waking life at this point this year trying to figure out how they can just hold on to the damn thing so he could put it into the end zone for him, and they still can't do it. You know, maybe he just says, screw it, and decides to go be the offensive coordinator for Sala. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> so speaking of reasons to do things or not do things, Kyle Shanahan said something that just absolutely drove me up the wall. And if he's serious, it's so dumb to me, it can't be serious. That's how outrageous I think it is. Uh, I want to play it, and then we can react to it. If he's healthy, I just don't see the reason why not to. I mean, that's the same as every other player on our roster. You know, it's if you're healthy and you're not risking something, and we would never ask him to play injured or anything like that. But he had a good week of practice last week. Um, Most of the soreness was going away. Obviously, I don't want to get George hurt or anything like that. And that's why we're going to be overly cautious with it. And that's why we have been. Um, But if there's someone's 100 percent healthy, I can't look the rest of the team in the eye and tell them they don't they have to play. But George doesn't. So that's just part of having a team and part of 
treating people the right way. That's your job, Kyle. Your job as a head coach is to decide who plays and who doesn't play. That's what you do. And that's why you take the burden off of George and you say, I'm sitting you. It's my call. I know you want to play. I'm sitting you. I'm protecting you from yourself. Because God forbid George Kittle goes out there and tears an ACL or gets a concussion or tears his other labrum. Like whatever the case may be. What is Kyle Shanahan thinking, Levin? He's thinking like he's a player at the University of Texas still. Like that is a player mentality that, hey, if you're healthy, I don't care what the possible repercussions are you're playing because as a player, you would hate to be sat when you're healthy. That's not what a head coach needs to do. This is the issue of Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion. He has a hard time. He's such a player coach that he has a hard time criticizing players when they need to be criticized and kind of putting them in their place when that time comes. That's what we got going on here. You know, I, I just don't get it. Like, there, there's a couple things that he phrased when he was talking there that really bothered me because, like, he said, we're not going to risk anything. It's like, well, no, you, you're risking anything anytime you step on a football field. It doesn't matter if you're 100% healthy. And if any head coach understands that, it should be you. Like, you're always risking something. And there's no reason to do it. Like, would it be great to see him play? Yeah. Would it be uplifting to the team? Certainly. Does it really matter when you're about to go to the offseason and you got like, what, two thirds of your roster that are free agents? Like, <laughs> what are you uplifting? And why would you let's say Kittle gets banged up and it's not even like a major, major injury. Let's just say it's like a few weeks of rehab. But like, why would you want him taking any of his offseason and having to spend it working back to get where he was as opposed to giving him a full offseason to improve, to get better? to working on his route running, you know, especially in the red zone or his blocking, which by the way, this year has slipped significantly when he's been in there. Like there's just no benefit to this. Even if he gets 500 yards every game and 12 touchdowns, there's no, there's still no benefit to this. So I just don't understand it. And Kyle Shanahan is not dumb. So why is he making what seems to me to be such a dumb decision? Because he's a player's coach and he, George Kittle wants to play. I mean, I think we all know the fire that he has. So I'm sure he's just kind of given into that because as a former player himself, he kind of understands he just needs to be able to sever that part and say, no, you need to sit. It's what's best for the team. We just paid you a whole heap of money. We're not risking it in a pointless game, but he can't. And I think Kyle is the type of competitor that, Kenny zeroes in on the moment and thinks what's best in this moment for my team. And he forgets about the big picture, which is good. Most of the time, it's just not good when your season's already over, you're eliminated from the playoffs. That that's the time when a coach needs to have more of a bigger picture and, and think about the future more. Where is John Lynch or, I mean, John is Kyle's employee. Where's Jed York? Like, where's Jed? Jed needs to come down and say, Kyle, I write your checks. You're not doing this. And by the way, I write a much bigger check to George Kittle than I write to you. You are not playing him. That's what you have to do this. You have to protect your your assets. I mean, we talk about this team and all these injuries. Stuff like this is part of the reason why they're hurt so much. Give George Kittle 
months and months of pain-free living, no football living. This is just ridiculous to do this. Where are they at? They're neutered. That's where they're at. Like Kyle is the supreme leader of this franchise because like you said, Lynch is his employee. Shanahan has final say on everything. And then Jed York, what happened to the last good coach the Niners had? Jed York kind of got involved. Kind of. Yeah. Took sides and it didn't go well. So I think Jed has kind of learned his lesson and he's just not, he, he wipes his hand of these types of things. He's not going to be that type of owner. He's not going to be an Arthur Blank, a Jerry Jones, somebody that's on the sidelines. And when they want to see something happen, they kind of let it be known. He, he's not going to do that because when he did that in the past, he nearly lost the franchise. Like the entire fan base has still not forgiven him. I think a lot of people have kind of gone, yeah, whatever. But there's still a lot of people that anytime Jed York is brought up, they basically say F that guy. Well, I wish he would do it because this is just this is asking for trouble. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be just the absolute icing on the 2020 cake to have George Kittle suffer a major injury the last two weeks that keeps him out for most or all of 2021? Uh, I don't want no icing on this cake. <laughs> <laughs> this cake can already go in the trash. Like I don't even want to finish it. I I hope he doesn't do that. All right. I've ranted and I ranted on stats and eggs on that. I was ranting to poor Kyle and Akash when we were taping the Shanna plan. I think I can move on with my life now. Before we go to break, you had a Raheem Mostert take that I think is interesting because Raheem has been in the news a little bit. He's been banged up. He had a high ankle sprain. He tried to play through it. Now that high ankle sprain has a high ankle sprain of its own. He's out the rest of the year. I don't know if you saw his, uh, did you see the social media sort of rant that he went on? Which by the way, If you're tweeting or commenting or messaging a player because you're mad at them for getting hurt, get a life. Like, what are you doing? But anyway, Raheem has been banged up a little in his career, Levin, and that sort of fed into your hot take. Yeah, and I don't even, I mean, yeah, okay. We can call it a hot take. I don't consider it a hot take, but that's because I agree with it. So I don't think they should renegotiate. I don't think they should give him an extension this offseason. Let him play his final year. And see what happens. He has been, look, let me put this out there. He's a Purdue Boilermaker. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of him. I love that he's on the team. But you got to be realistic. You got to be able to separate yourself from the situation, from the Homer part of it. What he is, is he's a running back in his upper 20s that has had every chance to emerge and start in the last couple of years. And every single time he's gotten hurt. If you remember, it was three seasons ago now. All the guys in front of him got hurt. They pulled him off special teams to play him. He had a big game that first game. And I can't remember if it was at the end of that first game or the second game where he snapped his forearm. Like, he he's just injury prone. You don't want to have a running back who's injury prone and be playing or paying him big money. I think you let him play his final year on this contract, see what happens. Even if he goes off, has a fully healthy season, I'm not willing to pay him big money. Let somebody else do it because he's 28 right now. He'll be playing 29 next year, which means when he's a free agent, he'll be 30. You don't want to be paying big money to running backs who are 30, even though he doesn't have the mileage of a true running back because even in college, he didn't get get a bunch of carries because he wasn't really truly a running back the whole time in college. 
But like I, I think even if he has a big year, I would be willing to pay him something. Like either way, let me put it that way. Either way, whether he has a big year or another injury prone year next year, I'd be willing to pay him something because he is a perfect fit for the offense. But I'm just not willing to give him like any more than the Tevin Coleman deal, I think is the max. I think you give him either a a deal a little bit better than what he got now. So like three years, twelve million, somewhere in that range, or two years, ten million, like the the Tevin Coleman deal, where okay, you're getting five million a year but I'm only giving you two years because it's your age 30 and 31 seasons. I'm not giving you that age 32 season. You just can't pay this guy. And you, in reality, you can't pay running backs period. If you really want to get into the bigger picture of it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there is some justification for signing because normally I would say 30 year old running back. I don't care who it is. Don't sign him. But I think there is some justification because, like you said, he doesn't have the mileage of other guys that if you wanted to do like a two year deal, like you were saying, I'd be fine with that as long as you're not paying them, you know, $15 million a year. But I think it's the perfect scenario for the Niners. You've timed out the contract perfectly. He may have a big year next year, which will entice a bunch of other teams to go and try and sign him. And will the 49ers will have too many other people to pay, hopefully, at that point, because Debo might be up for a new deal. You know, like they're, they've got other things they have to do. So hopefully they can just let him walk out the door and no mistakes are made and nobody's aggrieved and everybody sort of ends up happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it this way. Is Raheem Mostert the best running back on the team? No question. Is the running game better with him there? Yes. Does the run game struggle without him? No. The run game can still be one of the better running games in the entire league with Joe Schmo running it because there are a lot of guys who fit this system. It is the system that it's going on, what, 20 20 plus years now going back to his father where you can kind of plug and play if you get the right guy. You just need a guy that makes one cut and goes, doesn't try to dance, doesn't try to do any of this other type of stuff. It's why Le'Veon Bell never made sense to me because he's a dancer and I would drive Kyle Shanahan up a freaking wall. Like you can find guys and they've been finding guys off the scrap heap, guys that nobody else even wanted on their practice squad. They've been able to find, bring him in as undrafted free agents, bring him in as just free agents and they succeed well enough it's just not a I think with Raheem Mostert it can be like a truly dominant great run game right up there with the best in the league but without him you're still a top 10 run game you don't need him and they may have found another one of those guys in Jermichael Hasty. we sort of forgot about it because he got hurt but he was looking pretty good when he was in there so they may be you know they may not even have to search far and wide for another Raheem Mostert replacement. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get into a couple of polls that you posted, Levin, because we sort of have a bone to pick with with you, Faithful, because you seem to want Zach Wilson on this team, but you don't want to pay what it's going to cost to get Zach Wilson. We'll explain what we mean after the break. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, Levin. Zach Wilson played last night for BYU. He was incredible. I think he had 1,600 touchdowns in the first half of the game. 49er fans are going crazy. I'm seeing Photoshop pictures on Twitter everywhere. Niner Nate is like weeping in his home because he's he's loves Zach Wilson so much. The eyes of 49ers fandom is on the quarterback, obviously. And you tweeted out a poll the other day about what the Niners should do in the offseason. And it had interesting results. So what did you tweet out and what were the results? 
So I tweeted out basically the different options that are likely to be the top options that, that come forward in this offseason for quarterback. I gave them the option of trading up for either Wilson or Lance, which I guess you could add Fields to this because I posted this before Fields looked like crap in his <laughs> game. So you, you could kind of add Fields to this because he might be sitting there at three, four, five. Or you can trade a first for Stafford, trade a compensatory third round pick that you get from Robert Sala, likely getting a head coaching job, trade that for Carson Wentz, or you can just stick with Jimmy. So those were the four options I put out there. It's basically trade up for a rookie, trade for a top vet, trade for a vet that needs to turn it around, or just stick with Jimmy. And the in the interesting part of this was it kind of broke down pretty equally between options, but Wilson and Lance definitely came out in front. They were 38%. They won. So the preference seems to be trade up for a rookie. And then you had Jimmy at 32%. So it seems like about a third of the Niners faithful, or at least a third of my followers, because there is a little bit of a slant to this, that it's only people who saw it could vote. But thirty, a third of them wanted to stick with Jimmy, and then you have coming in last at thirty percent trade for one of the vets. So you had rookie first at thirty-eight, and stick with Jimmy was second at thirty. That is, I mean, that blows me away. Um, how could you want to stick with Jimmy? <laughs> I don't understand it. Okay, so well, he's rookie- twenty-two and eight. You know, he's twenty-two and eight. That, that, oh, that's, that's all that matters is twenty-two and eight. Okay, so trade is the overwhelming winner. Trade for a rookie quarterback. Well, right now, the 49ers are at 12 in the draft order. There's two more games. They could lose both. They probably will lose both. So they could move up a little bit higher. But in order to get those guys, you would think, barring something crazy, they're going to have to trade up to acquire them, which led you to post another poll. And here's where our beef comes with you guys because you're not being consistent and you're not being logical. What was the second poll that you posted? So I purposely kind of set this up because I wanted to first see what Niners Faithful wanted and I assumed getting the rookie was going to win. And then I posted basically exactly what it's going to cost or very close to it because we have a very recent example to base it off of. And that would be in 2016, the Eagles trading up from pick number eight to pick number two and what they gave up. So I posted it with almost identical, just a slight difference in draft compensation. I said, do you pull the trigger on this theoretical? And it is trading the 2021 first round pick, a 2021 third round pick that you get from Robert Sala being hired, a sixth round pick in 2021 and then in the following draft 2022 you trade your first and second rounds so you're trading two years of firsts a second round the following year and then a third and sixth this year that's almost identical to what the eagles gave up there was a little bit of a difference because the eagles gave up a slightly higher pick than the sixth but got a low round pick back and the thing about this poll is overwhelmingly 62 percent said no well okay a majority of you want to trade up to get wilson or lance i'm telling you this is what it's going to take and you guys are saying no yet you want wilson and lance you can't have it both ways this is the reality of the situation i think that's where the disconnect is i think if you laid it out to niners faithful and said 
this is the trade. This is the trade that they could pull the trigger on right now to get to the Jets at number two. Would you do it? And I think a majority would still say no, knowing for a fact they would be able to get their quarterback at number two. It's just too much. And it should be noted that the Eagles traded from number eight. It's possible the Niners still get up to number eight, but it's more likely they're going to be in 10, 11th, somewhere in that range. So they're going to probably have to give a little bit more than this because they're a couple spots lower. couple of things here. I agree with you. It's one thing to say, hey, I want the new Xbox. And then it's another thing to say, okay, well, that costs $500. You know, are you willing to pay $500 to get it? And a lot of people would probably say no, but they still want it. And I think that's what is happening with a lot of 49ers fans. My counter would be when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, they were 27th in the first round and they traded all the way up to number 10. And all it cost them, and I still can't believe this, they gave up their 27th overall pick, a third round pick, and the next year's draft pick to get Mahomes. The next year's first. That is not that much. And the 49ers would not have to move up 17 spots. So is it possible that it costs less than the Wentz deal, essentially, and is more in the range of the Mahomes deal? No, there's a couple of reasons why. Okay, first, trading up to number 10 is nowhere even close to the value of trading up to number two for a couple of reasons. One, it, it's just much, much higher of a draft slot. Two, when you're trading up to number two and you know for sure the number one pick is Trevor Lawrence, you know you're trading up to get whoever you want. When you're trading up to number 10, you had to sit and wait, which means you had to wait until the 10th pick is on the clock. You have a clock ticking. You can't do any of this prior to the draft, which means because that clock is ticking, if the team doesn't want to sit at number 10, their options are limited and they can't just sit and go back and forth between the teams and ramp up the value of the of the draft pick. So I think that also affects it. When you get to number two, you're going to have other teams involved. That I can guarantee there's going to be other teams that want to trade up, whether it's from third, fourth, fifth, you know, other teams in the top five wanting to make sure they get their guy rather than waiting, or other teams in the back half of the top 10 or even in the top 15 willing to mortgage many years of their future to get up there. <laughs> so you're going to have more competition for that number two, and you're not going to necessarily be going against the clock. That doesn't mean the pick is necessarily going to be traded prior to the draft, but a lot of those deals are going to at least be preconceived and have been worked on to where they're almost done. And there's just a little bit of a change here and there come draft day. And a lot of times, you know, the framework, the preliminary discussions for these deals take place at the combine. It's it's funny to me. So many people bash the combine because it's stupid. It's the underwear Olympics. It's pointless. It doesn't tell you anything. Trust me when I say this. I went to the combine for years. There is so much tampering and back deal discussions that go on for a bunch of reasons. First of all, it's Indianapolis in the middle of winter. So there's not a lot of things to do. A lot of times, all these guys just go out to restaurants and eat and drink. Like St. Elmo Steakhouse is there. There's a Roots Chris, which is pretty good. Like That's all they do. And they just drink and they talk about this stuff. I've I've literally seen it happening. I've seen the GMs and coaches and owners in the restaurants 
that's what happens at the combine. All the, the foundation for all this stuff gets laid. Everybody's feeling each other out, trying to get a handle on what your plans are, or what you might be doing. I don't know if that's going to happen this year because of COVID. I don't think it is. So I don't know how that affects all that sort of wheeling and dealing. Maybe it just all happens virtually, but I don't know. I'd, it'd be interesting to see the effect of that this year. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, maybe with the Jets, they have a Zoom conference going on and they're sitting there talking to Shanahan and then all of a sudden, boop, here comes a pop-up. <laughs> oh, it's Arthur right. Blank of the Falcons or, you know, whoever. Don't answer it. <laughs> you know, it, it would probably change things. It would be, I think, harder in some, well, you know, I was going to say, I think it would be harder to to go back and forth between teams to ramp up the trade but i also think that when you're when you're truly in person and talking to them i think it's easier to come to an agreement you know even in a video conference call it's a lot like the internet there tends to be you're much more willing to just say no screw you (laughs) and i think there that could lead to a lot more back and forths where team a team like the jets is just saying okay that's nice we'll talk to you later bye and then call another team like it could ramp up the value And here's why that Jets win is such a big deal for the 49ers. They get bumped from the top spot. Well, the Jags are definitely taking a quarterback. If even if they weren't in number one, you would think that they were going to take a quarterback because they need somebody. But now that the Jags are number one, the Jets may not love Josh Fields the same way they did Trevor Lawrence. They may be willing now to say, you know what? we'll keep Sam Darnold and we'll trade this pick and we'll get a ton of other picks because we have so many holes to fill. So that now potentially opens the door for the Niners to get to number two. Whereas if the Jets had the first overall pick, there's no way Jacksonville is trading out of that spot. You know, I I am going to go on a little bit of a rant here and surprise you with this one. There's been probably four or five prominent checkmarked people on Twitter saying, I'm hearing the Jets are leaning towards trading out of number two. The season's not even over. Shut the <laughs> F up. You have no clue. You're just throwing that out there. Like, there is no way the Jets have bothered to, like, actually think about it. Like, we're still – we haven't gotten to any of the workouts, anything. It is very possible that they fall in love with one of those other quarterbacks and decide we're sticking at number two and taking one. Like, we're so early in this process – that the process hasn't even really started yet because there's two weeks left. Get the F out of here with that. I hate that. Like, oh, I'm hearing. Yeah, who are you hearing that from? Because they're not really going into it yet. They're not talking to each other about a potential trade out of number two yet. They haven't made that decision yet. Yeah, and by the way, even when that sort of draft season starts, it's still 90% bullshit. Half the rumors that are floated out there are put out there by other teams trying to throw people off the scent, like, Oh, the Jets really love Sam Darnold. A lot of times that's put out by not the Jets. Like everyone's trying to manipulate everyone and they use Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and guys like that to do it. So I agree with you. Don't buy into any of that stuff. It is all 100% garbage. Do you think, because I'm not convinced that Kyle's going to take a quarterback in the first round. I am, even if he doesn't get like a Stafford or somebody like that, I am not convinced at all that he's going to go quarterback in the first round. I could see them going for another edge rusher, which they're going to need because D Ford is not going to be on the team. Or I could see them going cornerback because God knows they're going to need a whole new secondary. Yeah, I mean, they could. I would think they trade down if they choose not to go quarterback because I don't think this is a team other than 
I think they learned their mistake. Let, let, let me put it this way from Solomon Thomas. They should have traded down again. Like they didn't need to stay at number three. You can trade down. Now, Nick Bosa was a special case because Nick Bosa was a special prospect. But I think if they're sitting at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range, and they don't want a quarterback, they're calling the teams that might want to trade up for a quarterback to get a bunch of picks. And that's been their MO. They've traded down plenty of times in this regime's a regime's history. So I would see them trading down in that scenario, but I would see them going corner, edge rusher, or even potentially offensive line. Oh, well, you will get into plenty of draft stuff as the season goes along. That is for sure. I know all eyes are on the draft already because the Niners are out of it. But don't worry. There's plenty of time for it. We will break it all down. We're going to have guests for you galore. It's There's plenty of time for that. But before we go, Levin, I want to get your reaction to this. And I purposely have not read this to you up until this point because I'm hoping that you will just lose your mind like I did. We all saw the Jerry Rice, Randy Moss debate if you want to call it that, Moss saying he's the best receiver ever and Jerry was three or four. Well, Tyree Kill has now entered the chat. He was asked by TMZ about Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. And he said, and I quote, I understand Jerry's got the stats. He's got the touchdowns. He got all this. He can run the routes. But if I'm picking a receiver who's going to make some plays in crunch time when I need them, Randy Moss, definitely. Your thoughts? In crunch time. So... What crunch time catches is Randy Moss known for? What were his stats in the Super Bowl? Like, what has he ever done in true crunch time when it mattered? Like, Jerry Rice has three Super Bowls. He has a Super Bowl MVP. Like, Jerry Rice is the clutch receiver. Like, there's just no arguing against him, logically, because he checks every freaking box. (laughs) He's got the catches. He's got the yards. He's got the touchdown. He has the most times leading the league in yards, the most times leading the league in touchdowns. He, when he retired, he owned the record for most catches in the season, the record for most yards in the season, the record for most touchdowns in the season. All three of those have been broken since, which you would have to question whether or not, whether or not they've been broken due to rule changes. But he, still, he retired with those records. And by the way, he won three Super Bowls and dominated in the Super Bowls. He dominated in Monday Night Footballs. I mean, he was everything. He was clutch in addition to dominating. It's just nonsense. And it reeks of, I hate to say it, millennial BS. It's recency bias. Tyree Kill is too freaking young to have seen Jerry Rice. So he looks at Randy Moss, who he wishes he was, because he is... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, he looks at Randy Moss and goes, damn, that's me with eight more inches. Right. <laughs> like, that, it's just BS. It's stupid. And I I want to applaud Tio. He kind of, you could tell he didn't want to because it is like a hit to your ego to admit somebody was better than you. But he did it. Like, he was willing to admit, yeah, Jerry was better than me. Yeah, I have to give Tio credit on that as well. In case you're wondering, because I tweeted about this. I pulled up the stats. Jerry Rice played in four Super Bowls in his career. He has 33 catches, 589 yards, and eight touchdowns in those four Super Bowls. Just in case you're wondering, that's like 147 yards a game and two touchdowns. So if Jerry Rice played in a Super Bowl right now and had 100 yards and one touchdown, his average would go down. That's how good he was in the Super Bowl. It's incredible. There is no logical argument for it. 
I do want to say one thing for Randy Moss because I think sometimes it gets forgotten. In the undefeated year when they lost to the Giants the first time, he catches the go-ahead touchdown inside, I think it was inside the two-minute warning. So that was a clutch play from Randy Moss. I gave him, that was a nice clutch play that he made. But it doesn't compare to Jerry Rice, one of, I think, eight, eight or ten wide receivers to ever win Super Bowl MVP. I mean, his last Super Bowl, he was 40 years old, and he still had like 77 yards and a touchdown. There's just no logical argument other than I'm young and I didn't see Jerry Rice play. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's idiots who are too young to know what they're talking about, and then Randy Moss being an arrogant SOB, basically. (laughs) It's Randy Moss just, he knows damn well that he doesn't have an argument over Jerry Rice. He's just unwilling to admit it, which shows you everything that was the difference between T.O. and Randy Moss. Because guess what? Randy Moss is in the second best. Because when the, when it mattered, if Randy Moss wasn't getting his way, he quit. Tio never quit. Like, Randy Moss quit in multiple cases. He quit on the Raiders when they traded a boatload to get to get him from the Vikings. And then he quit in that age 33 year where he played for three different teams. Because <laughs> two of the teams goes, this guy doesn't want to be here. He doesn't care anymore now that he's not in New England. Like, he quit multiple times he is a quitter and that is very damning at this point i think it's jerry rice it's to and then you get into a really heated argument in my opinion that larry fitzgerald might belong up there above randy moss like randy moss quitting should be much bigger of a deal than it is Yeah, man, that is an interesting argument. I'm not sure where I come down on that, but I think everybody listening would agree with us that clearly Jerry is the best. This is the thing that I can't believe. You know, I understand if like over time we forget and people forget how good Marshall Falk was. Hall of Fame running back, awesome player, but that's what time does, right? It makes us all forget. I don't know how good Johnny Unitas was. I just don't. I I think he's really good. Everybody says he's really good, but I don't know. But I didn't think that would happen with Jerry Rice. Like, he's Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver of all time. I didn't think that people would forget how good this guy was when all you do is look at his numbers and they are still, still dominant in every fashion. Like, Granny Moss would have to play another eight years to catch Jerry's receptions. He'd have to play another, like, seven years to catch his yard. And this is Randy Moss. Like, I didn't think that we would forget how good Jerry was, but I guess over time we're going to forget how good everybody was. The thing I find interesting is they've done that with Jerry, and there's no real reason for it, but they haven't done it with running backs. I guarantee if you took a poll of current players, who's the best running back of all time, most of them are going to be saying Walter Payton, Emmitt Smith, or Barry Sanders, and some are going to say Jim Brown. Like those, those first three played during. Jerry Rice's career like none of them are recent players none of them are going to say somebody like LT I think that would be the recent comparison to Randy Moss somebody that put up crazy stats doesn't quite get there in the yards but touchdowns wise he was off the off the chain and he set the touchdown mark record for in a single season nobody puts LT up there in the argument for the best ever why is there no recency bias in running backs, but there is in receivers? It's weird. Because of the highlights. Because people give Randy Moss more credit 
for jumping over somebody to make a touchdown catch than they give to Jerry Rice for catching, you know, a 10-yard slant and running 70 yards for a touchdown. I don't know why, but Randy Moss's yards and touchdowns count more than Jerry Rice's for some reason. Even though there was a lot less of them. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. You can't say this, like, quarterback would be the other position you would want to look at and see if there's recency bias. Well, it's kind of hard to say there's recency bias when the guy who's currently playing has the most championships. <laughs> right, he's so. still playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can't go there with quarterbacks. But, I mean, Montana had been retired for, what, 15, 20 years, and people, up until Brady got number six, people were still having a passionate argument for Montana, even though he had been retired for longer than Jerry Rice was retired. Like Jerry Rice played him to the 2000s. It's not like there's that much of a recency bias. I mean, he played into the 2000s, but I think part of it is, is that he played so long that a lot of these young kids, the only Rice they saw was at best, they saw the Raiders version. And at worst, they saw the guy who came after that. Like they didn't see him in his prime, they, but they saw him at the end of his career. Yeah, except when he was 40 years old with the Raiders, he put up 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. <laughs> like, it, there was no bad Jerry. There was like a one year of bad Jerry Rice. The rest of it was insane. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why that there's this recency bias. But I will say, if you're looking for logical, smart reactions and arguments from Tyree Kill, you're looking in the wrong place. Because that guy is, I mean, I've talked to about him before. F that guy. <laughs> your, he's your favorite player ever. Every time you make a Taysom Hill reference on Twitter to me, I'm going to make a Tyreek Hill reference back to you. That is the genius thought I just had. It, it, it does not bother me nearly as much as Taysom Hill bothers you. Which, by the way, were, were you actually upset last night? I mean, they were showing the BYU game and they showed, you know, Steve Young, Ty Detmer, all these great BYU quarterbacks, and they never showed Taysom Hill. Like, where's the recency bias there? <laughs> oh, God. No, I do not. I will not watch Zach Wilson. I will not watch any of these guys play college football. I do watch afterwards. Like, once we get into the offseason, I will watch clips of these guys, and I will pick my favorite guys. But I fully acknowledge now, I have no friggin' clue who's going to be good and who's not. But I can watch a bunch of film on these guys and see who I like. I'm allowed to pick a guy that I like. But I'm not, I mean, whoever Kyle picks, if they go quarterback route, I'm just going to say he knows more than me. I assume he knows what he's doing, and I will roll with that. I'm not going to be one of these guys that's, you know, crying and moaning how they picked the wrong guy on draft night. I will say the Niners are kind of in great position to do whatever they want to do because they're going to be close enough in the draft to trade up to number two if they choose to give up the compensation so that means they're going to be able to get any rookie they want if they choose to spend to get him. Or they can get Stafford. Or they can get Wentz. And even if they stick with Jimmy and go later in the draft with a rookie quarterback, I think that's still a decent position to be in. Like, I don't think there's any, like, we strike out and the Niners are screwed. Well, that's that kind of puts the pressure on Kyle and John Lynch, doesn't it? Because if you are in a position where really you could do anything – you can't do nothing. Like you have to do something. You can't then claim then you were sort of backed into a corner. So, I mean, this is going to define their tenure here in San Francisco is the, is the quarterback decision this off season. Yeah. I mean, it, once you have to truly make this decision and put all your chips in one basket, it, it's make or break for your careers. And 
unless you get a second chance, which Kyle probably would. But really, they kind of got to punt this decision down the road when Jimmy fell into their laps. Like, yep, th- that's what happened. They were able to punt the decision, and I mean, I I don't think it's going way out on a limb that Kyle was never completely sold on Jimmy. Jimmy was never fully the guy he wanted, the type of quarterback he wanted, but he was kind of backed into a corner after after those first five games. And he's acted that way the whole time towards Jimmy. Like you can tell, he never quite wanted Jimmy. He was just forced to. He never fully embraced him from the start. He even said after the five games that he wasn't necessarily sold on signing him to the long-term deal. So yeah, you're right. They've kicked the can down the road. They have never sort of been on the hook for choosing that guy. And it's something that's not easy to do. A lot of really good coaches have not been able to do it. So we'll see what they do. It's it, This offseason is going to be so interesting. I cannot wait to get through these last couple of weeks because I think there's going to be major shakeups with the Niners. And it's it's going to be fascinating for our business. It's going to be great because there's going to be a lot of emergency podcasts because, oh, crap, this just happened. Yeah, that means I have to talk to you more, though. Yes, it does. Brace yourself, <laughs> my friend. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, we remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. If you listen every week and you haven't given us a rating or review, please take two minutes and do it. It really helps us. It helps us with exposure, moving up on the iTunes charts, yada, yada, yada. But we really do appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at Stats on Fire. You can follow Levin on Twitter at Big Fat Jerk. Is that right? <laughs> I was going to say, we need more reviews from Numero Uno. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't <laughs> believe what I saw. I almost didn't want to tell you about it, but I figured I should probably be nice. I am kind of holding you up here on this podcast, so you could kind of at least give me the kudos. I mean, look, look what they're saying about me. You are on Twitter at LT Black Niners for those who actually want to follow Evan. Enjoy the holidays, everybody, and we'll be back. Talk to you next week.